sin, our greatest need is forgiveness. And we try to make deposits by living a good life and going to church and obeying the Ten Commandments and getting baptized. But we're unable to make a dent in this debt. And that's because our righteousness, Isaiah tells us, is like filthy rags. So how is this debt paid? Romans 4.3 tells us the answer. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And the term credited there means a change of transaction to somebody else's account. Christ paid our sin debt. And so Christ's righteousness is transferred to my spiritual bank account and my sin debt is transferred to Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And I don't want to assume that everyone here has made that decision of trusting Christ. If you've not had that spiritual exchange, then you need to do so. But note again the, the text. He says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Augustine called this the terrible petition. For he realized that if we pray this with an unforgiving spirit, we have actually, we're actually asking God not to forgive us. Note what Jesus adds here. Verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. These are shocking words. Startling words. Please be careful. Jesus is not teaching that we earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others. What he is saying is that if we pride ourselves in an unforgiving spirit, then we are unforgiven ourselves. In other words, an unforgiving heart betrays our soul's condition. When God's grace comes into our life, we become forgiving people. We demonstrate that we have been forgiven by forgiving others. But when we refuse to forgive people for their sins, it indicates that there's not authentic faith. These words penetrate the hearts of people who attend church on a regular basis, lead outwardly moral lives, appear religious, but hold a death grip to grudges. They will not forgive a relative for an infraction they have no desire to pardon a friend or grant mercy to a co-worker. They nourish hatred. They cherish animosity. And if I am describing your life, you had better check out whether or not you really know Christ. Amen. Now, we're not saying, and Jesus is not saying, that genuine Christians do not struggle with forgiveness. We do. But authentic forgiveness is a mark of a regenerate life. Two, forgiveness in light of the cross is supernatural. By nature, I want to retaliate. I want to punish those who hurt me. You know the phrase, I don't get mad, I, I get even. And so, forgiveness runs counter to our sinful nature. Forgiveness must be a work of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more foreign to indwelling sin than forgiveness. Nothing is more characteristic of divine grace than forgiveness. 
So therefore, our hearts must be changed. First, by regeneration, by being saved. And secondly, by sanctification. Galatians 5.16. So I say, live in the Spirit or walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We can't forgive in our own strength. We will fail. And so it has to be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Number three, forgiveness in light of the cross is commanded. Ephesians 4.32, Colossians 3.13, those verses that we've read are commands. And so when we refuse to obey the command, it is disobedience. So how does God tell me to forgive? What is forgiveness? Well, let's first of all talk a little bit about what it's not. First, forgiveness is not excusing the offense. Um, forgiveness is not saying like, let's just put the past behind us. We need to put the past behind us in a biblical way and in a manner that produces true restoration. The very fact that forgiveness is needed indicates that someone has done something wrong. There's no excuse for that sin. Biblical forgiveness states, what you did was wrong, but since God forgave you, I forgive you as well. Now, when someone asks you to forgive them, they come to you and they say, you know, I sinned against you, will you please forgive me? Don't say, oh, that's okay, you know, we're all sinners, you know, don't worry about it. Don't do that. You say, I forgive you. Amen. You grant the forgiveness. Next, forgiveness is not a feeling. How many times have I, in counseling, Someone has said, well, I don't feel like forgiving them. Or someone says, well, I'm not ready to forgive them. But forgiveness is not a feeling. God does not forgive us because He felt like it. God forgives us because He chose to. It's an act of the will. And so we have to rid ourselves of this idea of forgiveness as a feeling. Thirdly, forgiveness does not demand a guarantee. We have people say, okay, I'll forgive you, but you must promise that you'll never do this again. Men, does God grant us forgiveness based on guarantees? No, He does not. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, let me read it to you. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. And that is exactly what you and I do to God every single day. We sin, we express our sorrow for our sin, we ask God to forgive us, and then we turn around and do what? We sin again. Exactly. Genuine forgiveness is not based on guarantees. It is based on repentance. Now, FYI, of course, if the offender continues to behave in a sinful way, it would be appropriate to deal with his or her present conduct. There are times when Scripture speaks of the fact that we must demonstrate our repentance. Remember what John the Baptist 
uh, said um, in Matthew 3.8, he says to the Pharisees, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. But that's because of a consistent pattern, not because asking for a guarantee. Fourthly, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgetting is a passive process which a situation fades from memory and time. Forgiving is an active process. It involves a conscious choice, a deliberate course of action. Now, some of you are thinking right now, well, wait a second, Fred, hold the phone. Um, God says that He forgets our sins. And that is true. There are numerous places in Scripture that talks about God forgetting our sins. But let me ask you a question. How does omniscience forget? God knows all things. When the Bible talks about God forgetting our sins, it means that He chooses not to mention, recount, or think about our sins. Likewise, we must choose not to think or talk about the offenses that others have committed against us. And people will say something like this, okay, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget it. That reveals a lack of genuine forgiveness because there is a subtle form of retaliation in that phrase, correct? Finally, forgiveness is not earned. Some demand that the offender earn their forgiveness over time. They hold the offender at arm's length waiting till they somehow prove their sincerity. But is that how God forgives us? Does God forgive us waiting, holding us at arm's length and, and um, having us earn our forgiveness? No. Our forgiveness is totally undeserved. We don't, we don't deserve His forgiveness. He forgives us in grace. Well, that's, that's what forgiveness is not. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a decision that's kept by a promise. And Ken Sandy, in his excellent book, The Peacemaker, has four promises of forgiveness, and these are invaluable. And in counseling, um, in, a, in a counseling situation, uh, when there has been an offense, this is something that we tell uh, the offended that he or she has to constantly recount and, and practice. I will not dwell on the incident. This is how God forgives us. I will not dwell on the incident. I will not bring this incident up again and use it to hurt you. I will not talk to others about this incident. I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. A pastor was talking to a couple, and the husband said, you know, when my wife and I get in an argument, she gets historical. And he goes, you mean she gets hysterical? He goes, no, she gets historical. She brings everything up again. <laughs> well, again, true biblical forgiveness is not bringing the incident up again. What can happen when someone hurts us, we stick the DVD in. There are triggers that happen and things, events in life that cause us to replay the offense and we, we go over it and over and over again. 
Biblical forgiveness is hitting the eject button on the DVD player and saying, I'm not going to dwell on this. I have forgiven this individual because God has forgiven me. Now, this is exactly what we must do if we are to forgive as the Lord forgives us. This doesn't mean that we will do it as graciously as we should or as speedily as we should because we're all t- we all tend to nurse offenses and hold grudges, but we must, in God's strength, practice biblical forgiveness in light of the cross. Now, the question comes up, can you forgive those who haven't requested it? And ideally, I'll answer it this way, ideally, repentance should precede forgiveness. Jesus said in Luke 17, 3, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Now, we are to forgive others the way God has forgiven us. Question, has God universally forgiven everyone? He has not. If we were to say God universally has forgiven the whole world, that is the teaching of universalism, that everyone's going to heaven. They just don't know it. No, God forgives people when they ask, when they repent and ask for forgiveness. Now, this does not mean that if someone has offended you that, um, and they've not asked for forgiveness, that you can become bitter at them or retaliate against them. And so I see biblical forgiveness, and that's not just me, but we see biblical forgiveness on two levels. First, we must always display attitude of forgiveness. Um, someone has offended me. They've not asked for forgiveness. In fact, they don't even think they're wrong. Well, I must be forgiving in my attitude. That will protect me from, from bitterness, even if the offender does not ask for my forgiveness. So there must be an attitude of forgiveness. Secondly, we must always be ready to grant forgiveness when asked. This is relational forgiveness, restorative forgiveness. We must always be ready to forgive when it's requested. We don't say, well, you know, i got to think about it. Give me some, I need more time. No. If forgiveness is requested, then we need to grant it. Number four, forgiveness in light of the cross is anchored in God's sovereignty. When someone wrongs us, it is vital that we remember that God is sovereign even over that transgression. And I love what John Piper has written in his book, The Misery of Job and the Mercy of God, and I think I have it there for you, don't I, in your notes? It is a great sadness when sufferers seek relief by sparing God as sovereignty over pain. The sadness is that this undercuts the very hope aims to create. Whatever Satan's liberty in unleashing calamity upon us, God never drops the leash that binds his neck. I love that last phrase. Now, some of us squirm here. The implications are difficult. We wrestle with such thoughts. We weep over them. And yet we must submit to the authority of Scripture. God is good. He is never an accomplice to evil. And yet, for reasons that we do not know, because we're finite creatures, God uses sin to serve His purposes. 
Scripture never seeks to explain this mystery. But we simply must bow before it. Joseph is a classic example. Joseph's brothers were morally responsible for selling him as a slave. They were wrong. And yet in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph could say to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. The brothers did exactly what they wanted to do. And yet for purposes only known to God, he allowed them to act contrary to his will. And so we must learn to trust God in his character in the midst of our pain. And rather than being offended at God's sovereignty in both good and calamity, I find great comfort in it. This last Sunday at, at church, I'm preaching through the book of Romans, and I preach Romans 8.28, that God uses all things for good. And that good is explained in verse 29, that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. God is seeking to reproduce in your life the character of Jesus Christ. And he uses suffering to do that. Number five, forgiveness in light of the cross manifests God's forgiveness of us. We're still in Matthew. Let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Now the rabbis in Jesus' day taught that one should forgive three times. That's what they taught. You forgive your brother three times, fourth time you can punch his lights out. Peter doubled the amount and added one for good, good, for good measure. I, I firmly believe that Peter thought Jesus was going to say, Peter, you, man, all right. You got it. And, and yet, what does Jesus do? The, the Lord's answer surely startled Peter. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. <coughs> There's a different interpretation or variant reading. It could also read 70 times seven. Whatever translation you want to use, Jesus is using an idiom. He says, forgive as often as necessary. The fleshly mind protests as Jesus is being unreasonable. Doesn't forgiveness have a limit? You say, well, no one could possibly keep count of all these different times. That's exactly the point Jesus is trying to make. Forgiveness permits no scorekeeping. 1 Corinthians 13.5, love keeps no record of wrongs. It's counseling a couple of years ago. And uh, he brought this list in, all the offenses his wife had against, that he had against his wife. I said, you need to tear up this list. Let me have this list. This list needs to be destroyed. He said, well, if you, I don't have a copy of it. <laughs> he didn't get it. Now, a picture is worth a thousand words. Look at verse 23. Jesus tells this parable. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the, the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. 
The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now, in that economy, it would take 20 years to earn one talent. 20 years to earn one talent. How many talents did this guy owe? 10,000. He said, it was an impossible debt to pay back. And yet the master forgave him. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now a denarii was one day's wage. And so this man owed him a hundred day wages. A significant amount. This, don't, don't belittle the amount. It was, it was a lot. A hundred days wages is a lot. But is it payable, repayable? Absolutely, you could pay this back. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, said the same thing, be patient with me, I will pay, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt. I canceled all the debt that was yours because you begged me so. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father, Jesus says, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. For us as believers to refuse to forgive others when God has forgiven us a multi-trillion dollar sin debt is blatant hypocrisy. Now please resist the temptation of pushing this parable too far. Parables have one central point. Jesus is underscoring the absurdity of an unforgiving Christian. Christians are the most forgiven people on earth. And so therefore, we should be the most forgiving people on earth. And yet you and I know by past experience, that is not so. If we are to practice forgiveness in light of the cross, then we must hold no wrongs against others. We must not dwell on their offenses or seek to punish those who have hurt us. This is how God forgives us, and it's how we must forgive others in light of the cross. That kind of forgiveness brings God glory because that kind of forgiveness reflects His character. Our gospel is a message of forgiveness. And no matter how painful the offense, God will help us in His strength to forgive in light of the cross. How can we do this? Giving you some practical steps. First, when offended, follow the biblical steps of restoration. And I've listed there for you um, the steps found in Matthew 18, but fleshed out in the book, The Peacemaker. We glorify God. We get the log out of our eye. We restore gently. Uh, we go and we are reconciled. Okay, so we follow those steps. You follow that Matthew 18, 15 through 17. You flesh that out. 
follow the biblical steps of restoration. We go privately to the person. What do we normally do? We tell other people about it. No, we're going privately to that person. You've offended me. You've hurt my feelings. You said this. You, we talk to them. And there are some steps of humility there we do ahead of time. Secondly, if, if I know I have offended someone, according to Matthew 5, 23 and 24, I need to confess and repent. If you know right now today that you have offended somebody, you need to go to them and ask for their forgiveness. Again, Ken Sandy's seven A's of confession. We address everyone involved. We avoid if, but, or maybe. Well, if, but, if you hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have done that. No, we take responsibility for our sin. We admit it specifically. This is what I did. Acknowledge the hurt. Accept the consequences. There are consequences sometimes. We alter our behavior. We change. And we ask for forgiveness. Thirdly, if the offender refuses to repent and ask for my forgiveness, commit the matter to God. How do we do that? We surrender to God's sovereignty. Job 2.10, Mrs. Job comes to him and she says, curse God and die. You're holding on to your integrity. And Job says, shall we not accept good from the Lord and not trouble? And you say, well, yeah, Job's saying that. We don't know if he's right. The narrator says afterwards, and Job did not sin in what he said. God sends into our life good and trouble. And when God does, and we we try to resolve it, I love what Paul says in Romans 12, as much as it's possible, live at peace with everyone. He knows it's sometimes not possible. But we commit the matter to God. Refuse to dwell on the offense. Protect yourself from bitterness. I say, Lord, I can't deal with this. I've tried to. They're unwilling. Lord, bring it. Bring circumstances up that someday we will be able to resolve this. Until then, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to replay the DVD. Thirdly, learn the lessons from the trial. James 1, there's all kinds of lessons that God wants to teach us. And a man last night, ter- bad experience, Monday something's coming up, and I said 2 Corinthians 5.9, we make it our goal to please him. How can you please God in this situation? He shot back and he said, well, would you want to be in this situation? I said, no. No one in in their right mind would want to be in the situation he's in. But that's not the question, is it? The question, and even if I was in his situation and I disobeyed, it wouldn't make it right. We make it our goal to please him. What What is God trying to teach me through this? What are the lessons? Finally, if the offender asks for my forgiveness, forgive. Concentrate on God's forgiveness of you. God's forgiven you. And practice the four promises of forgiveness. Um, these topics were, were we, we didn't come up with these, the, the leadership team here ask the various breakout session leaders to do these things. So this was a topic that was assigned to me. And again, it's a broad topic. There are some great resources. I have them listed, I think, there for you in your handout. Uh, Some great books to read that will be helpful.
We have five minutes. Are there questions, comments, or snide remarks? Snide remark? <laughs> Just kidding. That's a good question. He asked the question, if someone, if someone asks, to, you, to, they come to you and they say, will you forgive me? But you don't feel you're ready to forgive them. There's still anger and, and hurt. Again, the Bible always tells us that we must always be ready to forgive. And so that moment, we'd probably have to say something like this. You know, um, we, we ask God, God, help me to forgive this person. Give me the strength. And those of you who, who I gave the handouts to, I, I, I don't know, I think, that, I think that many of you have in your book, you have that illustration of Corey Ten Boom in there? Is that there? And on the handouts? I, I thought I'd given them, there was a, an illustration of Corey Ten Boom who, who would answer that question. Corey Ten Boom was in a Nazi POW camp. And... Um, her sister died there, her parents died there, and she was talking about God's love, and, you know, after World War II was over, she made it through the, the, the POW camp or the, the um, death camp, and one of the SS guards that was in the camp was there, and he came up to her afterwards, and all those bad memories she talks about came out, and um, he had been saved, and, and so God, God gave you that, God gave her that that grace. We, we have to always, so my youth pastor used to say this, the will, the grace of God will always, where the will of God leads you, the grace of God always follows. Where the will of God leads you, the grace of God always follows. And so when that moment comes, God will give you the grace to forgive that person and walk through those steps of forgiveness, those promises of forgiveness. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with those. We will. But we have, to, we have to be willing to forgive. I don't see any place in Scripture where Scripture says you can think about it for a while or give it a week. or We, we must always be ready to forgive. Good question. Well, again, um, that, that bases on a feeling. I mean, it's sincere if you say, with God's help, I'm going to do it. But remember, forgiveness is not a feeling. Sometimes I don't feel like it, but I need to obey God and practice those promises. Good question. Someone else? Yes? Will repentance be a requirement in your mind to reestablish a relationship? If they came and asked for forgiveness without repenting, I know I don't think they can come to you and ask, will you forgive me without, they have to acknowledge that they've done something wrong. If, if, I'm, if I'm, help me understand your question. Maybe we can talk privately. Okay. But I mean, if a person comes and says, will you forgive me? And, and by the way, I think there's a difference between an apology and forgiveness. Jay Adams talks a lot about that in his book. There are some times where I have not sinned against a person, but they're upset at me for something. I, I've not sinned against them. And I'll say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're upset. Um, if, they don't, if they don't acknowledge that they have sinned, 
then, then I don't think forgiveness can be granted. I think we've got to keep that attitude of forgiveness toward them, though. Yeah, Clint? Yeah, I'm sorry I've offended you. But again, we're talking about there's been a, there's a sin been committed, a debt, then I think we need to forgive. If, but sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes they're just things that, they're not sins, that, you know, someone just was upset because we didn't part our hair the, you know, a certain way. Yeah, right, right. So you say, well, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to offend you. Yep. I'll, I'll be up here afterwards if anyone has any questions.